All right. Last week I introduced a broad theme of, of messages that I want to start looking at titled Future Church. And uh, as our church starts to move out of COVID, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for us to rethink what church can look like. Uh, perhaps even, as, if, if possible, maybe realign some of what we do to a closer alignment to what God is asking of us. I mean, to remember that church is not a building. I say church is not a building. It's not, a bu- it's, it's not the place that we go to. Church is us. Church is effectively a ragtag bunch of Jesus followers. Hands up if you're a ragtag bunch of Jesus followers. Some of you are more rag and tag. But, um, but that's what we have. this is what church is. Church is us. With, our, with a goal, and I've talked about this so often, the three goals of a disciple. Who wants to tell me the three goals? Number one, to be with Jesus. Number two, to be like Jesus. And number three, there we go. So that may or may not be on the uh, Kahoot later until you get it. Until we get 100% right on that one, we're going to keep. That'll be on the Kahoot. Um, so so as, a, as we explore what church can look like, it's really important for us to understand. We need to keep exploring what a disciple looks like. If church is us, if we're trying to look like what does the church that Jesus wants to build look like, the question more so is what is the disciple that Jesus wants to build look like? What is Jesus asking me to become like and to do? And so what I've discovered in my 40-odd years of uh, odd is in like odd, um, in my 40-odd years of following Jesus, I've just discovered those three goals don't naturally happen. Some of them do just in the journey of life with Christian friends and coming to church. But on the whole, those things just, I just don't, I just coming and sitting and warming a seat doesn't help me do any of that. And so um, I've just also discovered in my 24 plus years of, of full-time ministry that this doesn't happen just because I've gone to Bible college. It doesn't happen just because, you know, I've, I've, I've read the Bible so many times from front to back cover. These things don't happen just because I've, I've given money. These things don't happen. We don't become uh, like Jesus just by going through the motions and doing all these things. They're, they're helpful things, but in themselves they don't make us like Jesus. And so as a church we've been talking about swimming to the side of this rapid river of culture. If you're visiting with us, I really believe that our, the, the culture we live in today is a fast-flowing stream. And I believe that the church has found itself floating in this fast-flowing stream of culture. And the call of Jesus is for us to come to the side, to come and be with him. But what I've discovered is it's not easy. Hands up if you think it's easy. I don't think it's easy. It's not easy to slow down and declutter our calendars to declutter our garages, or to declutter our hearts. It's not easy to disentangle myself with technology, looking at my son who's texting someone, or taking taking notes. He's not taking notes, Reverend Dan, he's actually texting someone. (laughs) It's not easy to disentangle myself from consumerism and wanting more and having more, and getting more. It's not easy to become less self-centered. You can ask my wife. (coughs) It's not easy to become less self-serving, and it's not easy to become less less self-consumed. It's not easy for me to step out of my comfortable, well-meaning, 
but low commitment form of Christianity. It's not easy. And it's not easy to swim to the side of this river. And yet, I know I need to swim to the side. I know that Jesus is calling me and all of us to a place where we can actually find rest and strengthen him. But I know I need to. The question is, sometimes I don't want to. I'm not, I'm not too Look, sometimes it just seems easier to float along in the stream. It seems easier to float in my little Lilo called the church. Do they make Lilo still? Do you know what a Lilo is, young people? Oh, well done, Kat. So you know exactly, you've got it all covered. <laughs> you've got three Lilos. It's not easy to, it's not easy to, it's much easier to stay floating in this river and enjoying our culture and, and not making an effort and just staying and, and thinking things are okay. And the reality is I struggle with stuff as much as you do. Now, being a pastor, you think would be easier. You think, well, you're the pastor, you should have it all sorted out. Well, I probably have it worse than you guys because then I feel more guilty than you guys. Because, you know what, I, 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 because I, I feel I'm, I'm not on top of it all. I haven't got it all worked out and I don't have all the answers. And I just want to say sorry if I come across that way. Sorry if I've said stuff and done stuff that is saying that I've got it all worked out and I know what I'm doing and I know, uh, well, I sort of know what I'm doing. I'm just not doing it. And so I, I'm, I'm in this river with you. I'm, I'm in this church with you. I'm in this culture with you. And I believe God is calling all of us to swim to the side. And I know, what I do know is that Jesus can help us. There is another in the water holding back the sea. There is another on our lilo helping us get to the side. And I really believe we can actually become, I believe with all my heart that we can become, that I can become, that you can become the disciples and we can become the church that Jesus needs us to be into the season ahead of us because the world has changed. COVID's changed the world. It's, it's accelerated the stream that we live in. And I really believe with Jesus' help, we can do that. And uh, so if you're looking for me in the river, where am I? I'm just right next to you. I'm, I'm, I've got an idea. I'm hearing the call of Jesus. And together, I believe we can work this out. And uh, the best news is that Jesus is right in with us. So this morning, I want to look at a, um, one of the currents that I believe flow in the river of culture that we're in. And this is a massive challenge, certainly for me. Maybe this is a challenge for you also. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dig into the next one because uh, it's, uh, it may be uncomfortable a little bit. So Father God, I just thank you that you are with us uh, through your Holy Spirit. You're with us here right now as we do church, and you're, you've promised, Lord Jesus, never to leave us or forsake us. And, uh, and I just pray that as we navigate this uh, river of culture, as we navigate what it's like to live in this world today, I pray that your Holy Spirit will just uh, encourage us and remind us that you are with us. And Lord, I pray you just open our hearts to what you're saying to us. And I thank you that you never, you never beat us up, you never, you never bash us up, that you never fill us with shame or guilt. But Lord, you're here with us to help us grow closer to you. Help me as I share this word this morning. Amen. Okay, so I want to set the context of this uh, story we're going to look at in the Bible today. Jesus is traveling around the countryside with his band of merry men, uh, band of disciples. And uh, Matthew would tell us this story. When Jesus came to the region of, region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and some others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. 
Jesus asks a very broad, broad question. He says to them, hey guys, what's the word on the street? Who do others say that I am? What, what, what do people think about me? And the, and the disciples say, well, Jesus, everyone thinks you're, you're up there with the A-team. He thinks that you're the, you're, they all think that you're pretty good. They think you're a prophet. There's Jeremiah and, and um, John the Baptist and which is the third one, Elijah. They've lifted Jesus to quite a high rank in the, uh, in the history of Israel. And so I want you to remember when Jesus asks questions, whenever you come across this question in the Bible, Jesus never asks a question because he doesn't know. He never asks a question for his sake. He always asks a question for our sake. And so Jesus turns his attention from asking, what do everyone else think about me? He makes it very personal. He says, what do you, who do you say that I am? Who do you, tell, ask the person next to you. Actually, don't do that because you'll chatter. Um, he goes, what about you guys? Who am I to you? In verse 15, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, Simon Peter, one of the disciples, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, he was usually the first to speak and he was usually the first to stick his foot in his mouth. He always said stuff wrong. He always, he always messed up, but not this time. He actually got something really right. And so he said, Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. So if Peter had a, a greater revelation than the crowds who thought Jesus was a good person or a prophet, Jesus understood that, uh, Peter understood that Jesus was very personal and Jesus was actually come to actually bring transformation and life change to a, to a people, uh, the, the people of Israel. And so in verse 17, Jesus says, you are blessed, Simon, son of John. Basically, he goes, high five. He goes, Simon, you got it. Because you're blessed because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any other human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you, whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I love this passage. <coughs> Can you remember how good could you imagine how good Peter was feeling about himself? Wouldn't you feel good if Jesus said this to you? If it was me, I'd be going, wow, that's, yeah, I got it. You know, I was right on the money. In fact, in fact, you guys didn't get it. God told me, didn't tell you guys. <coughs> and so then Jesus gives Peter a new name. He calls him the rock. Now, Dwayne Johnson has nothing on Peter. Jesus called Peter the rock. And then Peter, uh, Jesus gives Peter a, a tremendous vision of the future church. He gives Peter a vision of what it can be for a people who are built on a revelation, who discover who Jesus is, the power of that. And then this translation tells us that the, uh, you are the rock, and upon the rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. You know, the church that Jesus wants to build is a powerful church. The people that Jesus is bringing into his church and, he, and he's, he wants to fill us with his power and is a church that will make a difference in our society. It'll make a difference in our schools. It'll make a difference in our, wherever we walk and wherever we tread. That's the church. That's the people that Jesus is wanting to build, a powerful church. And so where am I up to? Who says Dano? The Rock. Thank you. 
And so, um, so Peter was feeling really good about himself. I know what I'm up to now. Thank you. And so after, after, Peter gave, after Jesus gave Peter a big thumbs up, Jesus then shifts his attention and the disciples' attention to what's going to happen in the weeks and the time ahead. Jesus was on the road to the cross. He reminds them that, that he will be crucified and on the third day he will rise again. In verse 20 we pick up, Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From then on Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hand of the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. So I'm not too sure what the disciples were actually thinking about this. I mean, they, were, they were just listening and hanging out with Jesus, and Jesus all of a sudden starts talking about dying and starts talking about death and suffering, and uh, he'd be killed. And so I'm sure the disciples were going, what's, what's Jesus talking about now? I thought it was all, you know, the, the, I thought he was going to come and change the society, but he's talking about dying. Anyway, so in verse 22, um, but the disciples were wondering what's going on. So Peter took him aside and he said to Jesus, he began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Now Peter, remember Peter, he was the guy that, that got the Dwayne Johnson t-shirt. He was the rock. Peter was walking around with his new t-shirt on, feeling really good about himself. I can hear from heaven and, and Jesus, I think you got it wrong. Jesus, I think, yeah, I know you're the King of Kings. I know you're the Lord of Lords. But I think on this particular matter, you got it wrong. These things are never going to happen to you. And so he decided to bring correction to Jesus. And uh, Jesus' response is really surprising. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not God's. Ouch. That's a bit... I, I don't, okay, I don't think Jesus was actually saying, you know, Simon, I'm now, I've changed your name to Peter, now I'm changing your name to Satan. Yeah, I, don't th I don't think there was a name change thing going on. Uh, that'd be a bit unkind, I think. But what Jesus is identifying for us, for all of us, especially poor old Peter, is that he's saying there's a very real enemy of our souls. And the enemy has a dangerous trap. The, the Greek word for that word trap is, is scandalon. That's where we get our, our, our word scandalous. That's a scandalous activity. It, it's a, it means a stumbling block. It means something in the way. And so, so Jesus is saying to Peter, um, well, the enemy has, wants to make, put things in the way, make us stumble, make us fall, catch us in a trap. Now, Jesus learned right at the beginning of his ministry, he was uh, taken into the wilderness, he was tempted by the enemy, and the devil there was trying to de detour Jesus away from the cross. The enemy back then and right now is trying to take Jesus, you don't need to go to the cross. That's what he's trying to say. You don't, Jesus, you can take the easy way out. Jesus, you should do what's best for you. Jesus, you should take the convenient path. The comfortable path. You know, Jesus, there is a way that you can avoid pain. There is a way you can avoid sacrifice. There is a way you can avoid death. That's the dangerous trap. That's the scandal on. That's the stumbling block that the enemy was trying to place in front of Jesus. 
And that's why Jesus said, get away from me. Because the reality was there is no easy way. There was no easy way out. The only way that mankind could ever be made acceptable with God required a cross, it required a sacrifice, and required the shedding of an innocent man's blood. That's the only way that mankind could ever be made right with God. And Easter is a wonderful opportunity as we start thinking about the cross and we start thinking about what Jesus did for us that gives us hope and what Jesus did for us that gives the world hope today. It required Jesus' death on a cross, his death in exchange for our life. And so when I think about traps, you know what? I think, I think all of us can easily fall for some of the same traps of the enemy. Jesus defined this trap. I'll go back a bit, if I can. There. Jesus defined this trap as seeing things from a human point of view. He's talking about what, what causes us to stumble. What was a trap to Jesus? It was seeing things from a human point of view. And I get that because all of us are human. Hands up if you're human. Hands up that you're not too sure about the person next to you. <laughs> we, we are all human with the exception of the few that we're noted today. We all struggle with pain, fear, worry, uncertainty, doubt. You can add your own list of the things that you may struggle with. What G Jesus is not saying, he's not saying stop thinking like a human. But what Jesus is saying, he's saying, don't limit yourself to process things from a natural realm. Because there's likely a bigger perspective. Just don't get your own perspective from the natural realm. There's a likely a bigger perspective to your pain, to your struggle, to your disappointment, and to your brokenness. Yes, we can find healing and joy, but that may not always look the way that we think or that we expect. There is a bigger perspective here. And when we face life's contradictions, and I know many of you have faced the contradictions that life brings, and there are many of them, I want to encourage you to lift your eyes beyond a human point of view. Lift your eyes beyond the, 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 the circumstances that you find yourself in. And lift your eyes to get God's point of view, to get God's perspective. And you will be amazed when you get God's perspective on your situation, you'll be amazed at what God, what you discover about Him and what you discover about you. And so then we come to the verse here that um, I haven't heard too many sermons about. Um, I probably haven't preached too many, to be honest. Haven't, Ali says I should always be honest. Um, I haven't preached too many sermons about this one either. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Okay, a couple of questions. Who was Jesus talking to? Disciples, okay. And so I, I expect that most of you that are here today, um, I know maybe not all of you, but I, I expect the majority of people here today, at some stage have made a decision to be a follower of Jesus. You would, maybe you'd call yourself a disciple of Jesus. And if you're, if you're here this morning and you haven't made that decision, this is a really important message for you to hear this morning because I think following Jesus may be different to what you may have thought it to have been. 
Firstly, I want to say that following Jesus is an absolutely life-changing event. Because when you become a follower of Jesus, you can experience him. You can experience his joy and his peace. You can experience his forgiveness. If you've, if you've lived a life, you've got things you're ashamed of and broken up or broken by, can I tell you, coming to Jesus, becoming a follower of Jesus, understanding that he took upon himself upon the cross, our, our messes, our mistakes, our brokenness, he, he took our death and he gives us life. There is so much joy to be found in becoming a follower of Jesus. You, you get to discover that you have a good, good Father in heaven, a, a God who sits there not to judge you or to criticize you or condemn you, but you have a God in heaven who made you, designed you, loved you, loves you, cares for you unconditionally. Being a follower of Jesus brings us life, not just eternally. It is great, isn't it, Mel? It is so good to be a follower of Jesus. There is so much life and joy and peace and is very pre- we get to hang out with Jesus. How good is that? And so, so Je- but Jesus here is reminding us something that if you want to be a follower, it must cost you something. Now, I understand that salvation, becoming a follower of Jesus is free. There is no cost we need to pay to become a follower of Jesus. But there is, I was thinking, how can I define this? If someone gives you a puppy dog, which is, anyone like a puppy? We're not going to give you ours. So, <clears throat> you want another one? Hmm. If someone gives you a puppy, here's a free, in fact, here's a story. When I was, we were newly married, so this is like 20 odd years ago now, we had a friend of ours come and give us a puppy. How lovely. It was one of those ugly pig dog ones. Anyway, but it was a puppy, so it was cute. Sorry if you've got one of those. Don't show me your hands, but then I'll need to, have you got one? I'm good. Okay. Anyway, so he says, here is a puppy for you. And we thought, we didn't say it's ugly, because that's a bit unkind. So um, we thought, well, a couple of things. We didn't want a puppy. Um, uh, and number two, we're renting a house and we can't have a puppy. But it was a very generous gift of him to give us a puppy. And so because having a puppy, it's not just a matter. If, if he said, I'm going to give you a puppy and I'm going to come every day and feed him and I'm going to come and take him for walks, I'm going to take him and pick up his poops. If, see, the, the gift, if a gift can be given for free, but there's a responsibility we still have with it. Now, salvation is a little bit like that. Becoming a follower of Jesus is a little teeny-weeny bit like that in the fact that the gift of Jesus of life and the ability for us to follow, it doesn't cost us anything. We can follow Jesus, but there is responsibilities we have. That's what I'm saying. And so, and so Jesus is saying, there's a responsibility you have if you want to be my follower. And it starts with giving up my own way of doing things. Giving up my own efforts of trying to be good giving up my own way of following him on my terms, the way I want to do it, my own convenience, my own comfortable life. There is a responsibility. I can't just say I'm a follower of Jesus and then he's going this way and I decide to go that way. Being a follower of Jesus isn't a part-time hobby. It's not something we can just do on a Sunday or when we feel like it or when we feel good enough. Being a, there is a responsibility for us to follow Jesus. And, but this is so different to what the world says. We live in a world where the world says to us to focus on yourself, to express yourself, to be the best you can be, to pursue your dreams, to do what is best for you, to do whatever makes you happy, to achieve your goals, to find your own truth, to plot your own course, to run your own race, to look after number one. The world would say, you do you. 
The world focuses on us, on, on me. And these cultural phrases that I just read, they are part of the world we live in. We live in a, what I'd call, a, probably many of you are familiar with the, the concept of a post-Christian world. Where we live in a world where, where we are, where the values of, of Christianity, the, the Bible, the truth of Scripture, is no longer current or active in the society we live in. And so the world we live in is a very self-centered world. And those, but these views of, of self have been around for centuries and they've been shaping our worldview. And today, in today's modern world, it's probably more noticeable. Um, but we are saturated with these things through adv- advertising, through TV, through Hollywood, through the books we read. They're all about self. They're all about making the best for yourself. They're all about plotting your own course, doing all those things I read before. The world is consumed with itself. Buy something for yourself. Do something for yourself. Our, our, our psychology, our education, the, uh, the movies we're watching, and especially uh, in the New Age movements that are coming, in the, the world of self-help, to, uh, to look deep inside yourself. It's all about self. And that is upside down to what Jesus says. Now, if you're wondering why we struggle, if I'm wondering why I'm struggling to swim to the side of this river, it's because I've been immersed in a river of self. It's like the old Colgate, to, uh, Colgate toothpaste ads with the chalk. And you stick the chalk in the, in the don't know what, blue liquid and you, and you snap it. Sorry for you young people who've got no idea what, what they used to do. But what, they, what they used to do? They used to get this blue liquid and a piece of white chalk. And this is about toothpaste, okay? But the liquid was blue. And they'd get the white chalk and they'd dip it in and they'd pull it out. And then they'd snap the chalk in half and they'd see the blue had soaked into the chalk. And then someone would say, ooh, it does get in. And so, so what happens? So, so what, what that's saying is the toothpaste gets into your teeth and makes your teeth blue. That's what it's all about. So, <laughs> but, but we think just as, as Christians, we're floating around in this, ri- in this blue river of culture we're floating around and this, this selfism, a self-centered culture has, has seeped into us. And, and, and those things aren't necessarily wrong in themselves. It's good for you to express yourself. It's good for you to be the best you can be. They're not, they're not necessarily bad things, but they also have secondary expressions. Because when we start living in a self-centered world, the, the next expression is, well, don't let anyone tell you what to do. You don't need others in your world. You certainly don't need the church. You don't need the Bible, let alone God. You can do what you want. Do what you want to do. <laughs> Ooh, it does get it does get in. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna explain that to you, okay? See our culture had memes. Is that the right word? Okay, good. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, this is the world we live in. A world of political correctness. My goodness. Don't get me started on that one. But we live in a world that is so self-consumed about the individual. And as I said before, these are so different to what Jesus is asking. These things that, but this thing called self is core to the river of culture we're floating in. 
and this stream of individu- individuality or autonomy, this, cu- this stream is so strong. And it's no wonder we struggle with it. As I said, because we've been taught this, we've accepted this, we've, we've watched it, we've, 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 it does get in. And even as Christians, we've allowed this to seep into our families, into our faith, into our theology, into our view of discipleship, and into our view of what church can be. Say this to the person next to you. Tell the person next to you. See, see the message of Jesus, the message of, the message of Jesus is countercultural to the world. The world says it is about you. Get what you want, do what you want, buy what you want, be what... That the world says it's all about you. Jesus says it's not about you. It's not about you. And this is what, this culture of we're trying to deny ourself. When we say deny ourself, there's two things involved here. There's, there's two selves involved. There is, there is the self, which is me, and then there's the self that I'm denying. There's, I'm, I'm denying myself. There's a, there's a dimension to me which I'm not that I need to deny. So when I have to say I need to deny myself, I've got to realize, you know what, there's part of me that I've got to say no to. There's part of me I need to understand wants to go its own way. There's part of me that's really happy to be floating in this river of culture. It's not about me. And Jesus says this type of thinking is a dangerous trap for all of us. This self-focused thinking is a dangerous trap. It's so easy. The trap of taking the easy, self-serving, convenient road. Because that type of thinking, it takes Jesus off the throne of our life and it puts me on the throne of my life. It's countercultural to what Jesus is calling disciples to be. Being following Jesus is putting him as the king of our life, putting him on the throne. Our world is saying, you're on the throne. It takes my eyes off the mission to do what Jesus did. And it gets me more interested in the mission of doing what I want, what makes me happy, and what serves my goal. It takes my focus on off others and makes me look more at me. Instead of having a window, I have a mirror. As I said before, this is a challenging message. Certainly challenging for me. I find find it hard because I understand part of me wants to be really selfish. But I'm so glad that when I become a follower of Jesus, I get a new me. I get a new self. I become a new creation. And that, that when I discover that and remind myself of that, that I can find greater strength as I'm trying to deny myself. The current of self is a strong current, a strong force in our lives. And we become so influenced over the years. And we need God's help to change. Who needs God's help to change? We all need God's help to change. I love what Paul writes in Romans. Paul says, don't swim along in the river of culture, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Isn't that good? That God is the one who transforms us. He's the one that changes us. We have a responsibility though. Our responsibility is to change the way we think. Can one of my kids tie my shoelace up before I... Thank you. 
God's got a part to play. He's, he's got the hard part. He's got the transforming part. That he changes us. We've got a responsibility. That's pretty tight. Double knots, thank you. Our responsibility is to change the way we think about him, to change the way we think about ourselves and start to realign ourselves with his truth, not our own, not our own self-truth, not, a, not our own self-based theology on what makes us feel good. All right, let's try to ra- land this plane today. How's everyone going? Hands up for the person next to you to sleep. All right. So, is it really possible for us to deny ourselves? That's the question. Is Jesus asking us to do something which is impossible? He's not. I believe it is possible for us to live a life where we are working at uh, giving up doing it our own way and doing it his way. And the next two verses gives us some clue on how to do it. We've already talked about asking God to transform us and change us. But the next two verses, we're going to dig into the next two verses next week. And I've got a bit of homework for you. Who loves homework? Something is wrong with you two. Only two people out of 140. Okay. Because these next two verses give us some clues on how else we can uh, how we can deal with our self. Remember that other self that we have? The next two verses give us some clues, and we're going to dig deeper into that next week. And so uh, this is your homework. I want you to reflect on these verses. If, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must, let's read this together, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake... You will save it. That's your homework. Pretty easy. Not as, easy, not, not, not as hard as the maths homework some of my kids come home with. <laughs> All right. I want to I give you one more thing you can do, one really practical thing you can do um, today. It's something I, I believe can actually help you to deal with this self thing that's going on. Um, you want, want something really easy to do? It's really, really easy. I want you to do something for someone else. This week, just do something for someone else. Mow their lawn, cook them a meal, write them a card, do their chores. That's for your kids. Um, Bring in their bins, take them out for a coffee, get creative. You've got to Go, go through McDonald's drive through and decide to pay for the person behind you. I don't, I don't really mind what it is, but here's something really easy you can do. You can, it doesn't have to be elaborate or expensive. It can be really simple, but I want to hear next week, I want to hear stories of what, what's been going on because I think we've got this tendency to be so self-absorbed, so self-consumed and so self, in a bubble of self. I think a simple thing we can do that starts to understand we're fighting against this internal bias that we have to want to be self-centered, just do something for someone else. If you can't do that this week, you've got some problems. I'm just being serious. If you, if, 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 you, if you can't find something small to do for someone that's not about you this week, we'll have another meeting. We'll talk about it next Sunday. Book an appointment. 
Um, because I'll tell you who's on the throne of your life. It's, uh, it's, uh, I'll tell you who is. It's, it's you. And I'm not too sure that's the best person to be in charge of. Who's, who thinks you're the best person to be in charge of your life? I think Jesus is the best person. He, he's in front of you. He loves you. He designed you. He made you. He cares for you. He's the best person to be on the throne of your life. So get you off. Now, um, uh, if you do have multiple personality disorders, don't put your hands up. But if you do, you can't do something for one of your other personalities because that's just yourself, okay? I just want to make that clear. You might be looking for an easy way out. Can't do that. Sorry about that, but that's just the way it is. Okay, one, one more quick thing. Um, just, just be willing to serve some practical way. You could um, serve, be part of a church, be, be part of the car park team or the tech team or greeting people, or whatever. Just do something for someone else. Come on a Sunday, not for you. Come on a Sunday to bless others and help someone. There's something really easy you can do. Um, or maybe even in the community, I know that Chris and Marty and Steve are down at Sailability down at Belmont every, every Friday, Thursday, Friday, every Friday. Every day. And so those guys are just doing something for someone else other than them. It's good for you. It's good for them. And it's really, is it fun? Hey, I saw the video of the dolphin. That's amazing. What is? Okay. We'll give you a link to the video of a dolphin that was in the Lake Macquarie with these guys the other day. So anyway, I'm now digressing. Um, Serve. Do something. Someone else. It's not about who? It's not about you. It is about you. It's not about me. You work it out. Okay. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get ready to see if you've been paying attention. All right? Okay. I'm going to pray. All of you are praying more than anything. Lord, help me remember so I can be the champion today. Father God, I thank you that we can come and be church together. And Lord, I just uh, thank you that you call us to be your followers. And that's such a beautiful invitation, an invitation of life, an invitation to find grace and hope and meaning and joy. Lord Jesus, to be a follower of you is something so incredibly um, beautiful to us and powerful to us. And it's such a gift to us. And we're so grateful for it. Uh, And Lord, I pray that as we walk as followers of you as we go on this journey of of being with you and hanging out with you and becoming like you and doing what you do lord i pray that you help us to identify parts of us that are so uh, self-based and lord i pray that you help us even this week to to be able to deny ourselves to to not want to do it our own way and help us to push back against this culture that is dragging us along into a to become people we really don't want to be And so, Lord, I pray you help us through your Holy Spirit in us. Help us to renew our mind. Help us to change our thinking. Help us to understand that we we can get a perspective of you and and a perspective of us, which will help us to swim to the side of the river as you transform us from the inside out. And, Lord, I pray that you do help reshape us, Lord, remake us, revive us, Lord. Start to breathe new life into us again, that, that we could possibly be the disciples, we could be the church that you want us to be and that our community and our world so desperately needs. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.